sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning to all of you. It's also a blessing to look at over and see smiling faces. We can all be together. Nice full house again today, so thank you all for coming. Well, as I sought the Lord on uh, what I should share, I was just one morning early, just spending, um, just drawing near to the Lord and uh, lifting up my heart to Him, and uh, I guess just worshiping Him, and uh, just thinking, who is God? And as I worshiped Him, who God is, and that kind of is where I started my message, is who is God? And uh, it's going to be pretty elementary, probably, pretty basic. Um, I don't think it's going to be as in-depth as Larry was doing with the the virtues of God, but um, just more basic. Um, There in Matthew, it says that every scribe is instructed in the kingdom of heaven. It's likened to a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. So I guess I'm going to be bringing you old things. Uh, it'll be old things to you today, and I, I hope it is life. I hope it speaks life to you. I know there's there's times I've I wondered at times if we, um, in our pursuit to get Christianity right, um, that we depart from the simplicity of the gospel. <clears throat> And uh, that's that's a little of my concern. Is so this will be simple. Um, <clears throat> yeah, in Colossians it says that as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. <clears throat> so remember who we come to, um, who has saved us, who has made us, and uh, who we call out to when we pray. <clears throat> So first of all, I'm going to be focusing on the creator God, the creator part of God. <clears throat> and if, if you start reading in your Bible, first thing you're going to get is the creation of the world. And you'll see God as a creator. <clears throat> so that's where I'm going to start on. And uh, I just wanted to go in depth a little bit with the, the uniqueness of God's creation. And... Uh, and that's a, that's a topic that you'll never exhaust. You can turn over every leaf and study every frog and bird and flower, and you'll never, never get to the end of the uniqueness and the complexity of God's creation. So I think it's, it's good that we take time to focus on what God has done. <clears throat> so I'm going to start doing that by... Like I said, reading in Genesis 1, we read 1 through 25. 
Now, I hope you don't mind this, but I'm going to read it in the ESV um, just for a different, different take on it. You can follow along, and uh, it's not real far off. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And, uh, I mean, you know as well as I do that between every one of these lines, you could write volumes of books explaining what it just said. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Excuse me, I was dealing with a cold on my voice. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, And God saw it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the great light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which The waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. 
So it's just interesting to look at this and to think of the character of God and how he did this. Um, the order that he created, separating one from the other and putting each in their place and um, setting the lights to uh, move in their, in their times and in their seasons. <clears throat> developing fish, developing fowl that fly, developing creatures that walked on the earth. And each one in their uniqueness. And it's just, I find it a blessing to think um, as we come before God that this is the God that has created all this. This is a God that has an enormous expanse of wisdom and understanding. It's, it's really apparent here in what he did. It's, uh, it's just unfathomable. It's hard to grasp what God has done in creation and we know there's always the attempt to undermine it, but um, we need to really let it, let it set into our hearts who God is uh, as a creator and what he has done. <clears throat> Puts everything together in diversity and uniqueness. And the whole system works together even till today. <clears throat> so who is this God? <clears throat> he is the creator that created all things. <clears throat> so I, I, uh, I just had a need to find someone that could explain it better, some of these uniqueness. And I'll just look for unique things in God's creation um, just to bring out his... His uh, details in creation, creating. So here's a writing I picked up. What would this planet be like without, the, without its restful carpet of living green grass and foliage? God did not have to clothe the ugly bare soil with such a covering. Functionally, there needed to be no bright colors. Human beings could have survived on a bleak planet of gray ground and colorless plants, but they could not have survived as happily. The creator himself was not only a lover of beauty, he loved his creatures so much that he wanted them to be happy too. <clears throat> That's why he draped the earth with a half a million varieties of contrasting blossoms and leaves. And hidden inside each tiny bud, God placed secrets that would challenge the genius of earth's greatest scientists. Another example that in the, in the waters of Malaya lives a fish with bifocal lenses built right in its eyes. This little sardine-sized fish is prized for food by the seagulls especially. They are constantly swooping down to gobble up this little fish if they can. So the little fish has to watch carefully for this approaching danger. It must have good far vision, but since it feeds on microscopic larvae that Abound in the water, it must have very good near vision as well. And do you know that the Creator provided a little membrane that comes halfway up on its eyes, giving it bifocal vision? That little fish can look up and see the seagulls coming, or look down and see those tiny bits of life that it can feed on. <clears throat> so there's just an example of just the intricate details that God um, did in creation. And we, we read over the creation story, and it's, you know, one page long, 
and covers seven days, but how God did all of this and its uniqueness. And these creatures recreate themselves again and again and again, and they continue to maintain their uniqueness that was put in them because of their, I guess you say their DNA, their genetics. Here's another example of two Pacific coast water birds. I can find no stronger evidence of design in nature than with the also, a very friendly little bird that lives near mountain streams. It can usually be found where the water is swift, flowing, and splashy. This buoyant bird will be floating along, apparently weightless, and then suddenly sink to the bottom like a piece of lead. There he walks around picking up bits of food on the stream bed. After taking his fill, he goes over to the bank, shakes himself, and mysteriously sets himself afloat again like a wisp of smoke. It has been discovered that this strange bird has some special equipment, a muscular apparatus that can instantly exhaust every bit of air from its body, letting it sink down. Then when it walks out, it can take in air again and float off once more. Now that's special creation, isn't it? Another kind of bird found on the Pacific coast lives on a diet of large worms that live in holes in the sand. Because this worm is down at the very bottom of its hole, the bird must go down to get the worm out. It so happens that although its beak is exactly the right length to reach into the hole, the narrow hole keeps the beak squeezed shut. What a predicament. To be able to see and reach a luscious worm but not be able to open its beak to pick it up. Do you know what God arranged for this particular bird? He created a tiny flap, much like a surgeon's forceps, at the bottom of the beak. With this special organ, the bird can pick up the worm back out of the hole and gobble it down. <clears throat> so there's, there's just many things that um, I felt I had to get someone's uh, broader view into a lot of these things. And there's, like I said, we're just beginning. One of the most thrilling facts I learned about the miracles of nature concerned the lowly cocklebur. Surely it is one of the most despised of all plants due to its clingy, pricky nature. Yet consider the marvel of its reproduction. And I never knew this. Every pod of the cocklebur has two seeds inside to guarantee its survival. But during the first year, only one of the seeds will begin to grow. The other seed waits till the second year to start growing in order to perpetuate two seasons of growth. But if something happens to the first seed that does not grow and produce, the second seed begins to grow immediately instead of waiting for the next year. What built-in wisdom of God communicates to that waiting seed that it should begin to grow when the first seed is destroyed? I don't know if you knew that, Daryl, but you did? Okay. I know it's unique, and uh, this is just a couple birds and a cockle bird, and this is just the beginning of God's uniqueness. So I just wanted to bring that up when we when we come before God, just to see who God is and, and the nature of God. 
And sometimes I think we overcomplicate him. <clears throat> Hebrews 1.10 says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. <clears throat> so we, we admire a lot of man, um, mankind that has created unique and complex inventions. And uh, there's many that we, we marvel at and we use them. Um, but God has far exceeded all of them. <clears throat> Job 12, Job says in chapter 12, But ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought it? <clears throat> so Job says, go, go talk to the beast, the fish. They'll tell you who made them. <clears throat> so not only did he create um, all the plants and animals and fish and birds, he also created men. He created each of you. <clears throat> So after creating heaven and the earth and all that is in them, he goes about making someone like himself, someone he can fellowship with, someone to be in charge of his creation, essentially creating you. <clears throat> so God, if you could take this personally, God created you. It was not, it was Adam and Eve, but in a sense, he created you. And he has been creating mankind. <clears throat> So when you go before God, you can realize you are his creation. You're something that he has made. <clears throat> In Luke it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? <clears throat> but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to go to Genesis 1, 26 and 28. <clears throat> and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. <clears throat> And the interesting thing is, I, I didn't actually thoroughly look this up, but I'm pretty sure it's true that the only one of God's creation that he was hands-on with was the creation of man. Um, he formed him of the dust of the earth. And then Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed, you know, he says, formed 
man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So you can think of it as God creating you and he was hands on when he did it. He got his hands in there. You are his creation. And uh, I guess to me, I could see if, you know, if God created that, and this goes with us, if we created something of ourselves, it becomes special to us. Uh, Whatever it is, some contraption, some invention that you created, it's special to you. And even more so if it's one of your children, if you're a parent. Your children are special to you because they are from you. And the same is with God. He created you. He was hands-on. He, he got his hands in there and created you. You are special to him. So that is the God that we come to. He's not distant. You're not just another blob of clay, but you're special to him. God delights in his creation. To the point in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Just think of God joying over you with singing. He's so glad you're here. He's singing. God wanted fellowship with his creation. So he made him in his likeness. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And here you see, he wanted to fellowship with his creation. <clears throat> Revelations 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. <clears throat> so that's one of the, I guess you could say, one of the attributes of God. He is a creator. He created you. He created all things. Another of his attributes is he is a giver of gifts. God loves to give gifts. Second Peter 1, it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of of the divine nature. God gave you the gift to be part of his divine nature. Second Corinthians 9, 8 and 9 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Ephesians 4.8 says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. 
So God is a giver of gifts. Matthew 7 says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more should your, shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? <clears throat> so when we come to God, he is a giver. He loves to give gifts. <clears throat> you should not view him as a stingy, stingy <clears throat> someone that's stingy but someone that loves to give. And sometimes the side of God that we don't want to look at is God is a God of power. But if he's on our side, we definitely like that. Though God is a designer that gives attention to the intricate details of a flower or the feathers of a bird, he is all-powerful and a God to be feared. <clears throat> so I'm going to read, i got a couple references from Job, what Job said about God. Job 9, 4 through 10. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and hath prospered? Which removeth the mountains and they know not. Which overturneth them in his anger. Which shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble. Which commandeth the sun and it riseth not and sealeth up the stars. Which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arturus, Urian, and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. <clears throat> These are the things God does, and you, you just imagine him doing that, the pillars of the earth trembling. Uh, I've never experienced an earthquake. I'm sure some maybe have. Um, Maybe this would become very real to you if you experience an earthquake. The pillars of the earth tremble. <clears throat> he commandeth the sun and it rises not. I haven't seen that, but it did happen uh, for Joshua. <clears throat> he spreadeth out the heavens. We see in his creation uh, there in Genesis that that's what he did. <clears throat> he makes Arturus, Urian, Pleiades, um, I've never been one to understand the constellations, but it is amazing that they've stayed in place all these years. They haven't spread out. God has set them all in order. I'm going to Job 26, 5 through 14. Dead things are formed from under the waters and the inhabitants thereof. Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. He stretched out the north over the empty place, and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Just ponder that once, how the planets hang upon nothing, yet they stay in their place. <clears throat> he bindeth at the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. You think how much water is in the clouds above us. 
He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bonds, bounds, until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. <clears throat> he divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens, his hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? <clears throat> Somehow Job had some understanding of um, the deep things of God. <clears throat> Very uh, picturesque, the way he explains it. I'm going to go in Jeremiah 10. Ten to thirteen. But the Lord is a true God, He is the living God and an everlasting King. At His wrath the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide His indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by His power, He hath established the world by His wisdom. And hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. I think, I'm not sure if it's in Job where it says that he's, he brings the whirlwind. 